All right, thank you, Karen. Everybody thank Karen. Awesome. How you guys doing? You guys doing all right? Yeah, awesome, awesome. Folks over here, awesome. Folks over here, not so great, I don't know. Sleepy? Oh, come on now. I, you know, I, I, I was sharing this earlier, you know, uh, I got to admit, you know, I have a little bit of like, um, I mean, summer just kind of like appeared, did it not? Just kind of like came out of nowhere. That's a trouble thing for me because like currently I'm just going to share like right now I'm driving a vehicle that's painted black and has no air conditioning. So I'm kind of like summer, you could really just go away for right now because it is it's a little heat, hot in there. Uh, my name's Eric, and I uh, want to really invite you here. I'm glad you're here with us. If this is your first time at E3, man, it came on a really special Sunday. Uh, and uh, we're, appreciate, we're appreciative of the fact that you just took some time out of your busy schedule. We know how busy life is. And so it's a good thing that you're here with us. Uh, let me explain what's going on a little bit. This is kind of a special Sunday for a lot of reasons. Uh, our community has been journeying through this thing we've been calling One Mission. One mission started about five or six weeks ago, at least the public part of it did. And it started with the question where we just got together as a community and we asked, what is God doing? What is God doing in our community and how do we respond? What is God doing in our community and how do we respond to it? And so we, we started to answer those questions where we think what God is doing in our communities, he's, he's bringing people to us who want to know a little bit more about him who want to experience a little bit, a better life, the life that Jesus has to offer us. We call it the rich and abundant life. It comes right out of the Bible, John 10, 10. Jesus says, look, I want people to have a rich and abundant life. And at E3, that's what we wanna be about, is offering people the path to a rich and abundant life. And we just saw people coming. And so we said, well, what God's doing in our community, we think he's, we think he's bringing people who wanna know more about him. And how do we respond to that? Well, we respond to that by making some space, making sure that we as a community are aligned with the mission of God. God has one mission in the world, and that is to see people transformed. And so we started saying like, well, we have to make sure that we are aligned and consistent and ready for people to come. We want people to know about what we've discovered. The second part of that answer, though, was that, well, if, if we're going to open up our hearts and align ourselves with God's mission, we also have to examine what's going on in our space because if people start coming, like, there's some barriers that we felt like we have in our space. And so we started to talk to our community about, look, we need to make some changes around here. The changes amount to making some updates in this space, in the lobby space, and in student ministries down the way. It involves moving our kids' ministry from the front to the back and, and making that space more creative and more compelling. And it involves resurfacing uh, our awful parking lot uh, and, and just making it safe and inviting and making sure that it works for our business partners that, that rent from us. And so if you've been around, if you've been on this journey, you know this, uh, this cost uh, is $500,000. And so let me be really clear. I've been saying this for weeks. If, if, this is, if this is your first time at E3 or you are at the front end of your journey with our community, look, we are no, in no way compelling you or manipulating you or pressuring you to be a part of this. This is for our family. We are so glad that you're here so you can see how our family responds and what's important to our family. And so last week, our family, our community, stepped up to this little space right here, this little box, and we brought uh, our commitment cards and we dropped them in there. 
And today is Celebration Sunday. And we're going to kind of share with you guys the way we responded. You guys ready for the figure? You're not getting it yet. (laughs) We're going to talk about that later. All right. And and, and just to let you know uh, also what's happening today. We know that some people have been traveling and uh, you weren't able to be here last Sunday. So at the end of, of my time, the band's going to be playing again. And there'll be another time where you can come up if you have not had a chance to respond to God by making a commitment. There's pledge cards at these uh, metal tables kind of on the sides and in the back. You can still respond to God. And then in, and also, um, you know that if you're part of the community, there are some of us who are in a position where we can make what we're calling a lead gift. Now, this is a cash uh, operation for us. And so we know that people in our community are able to upfront give us some cash uh, as a part of their gift, all right? Those uh, you can submit today when the band's playing. That's the way we're gonna respond today. But before we get to that, and before we do that, I wanna talk to you guys about something called celebration because we're calling it Celebration Sunday. And before we get to you know, what we think we're here to celebrate, I wanna offer you some words on what true celebration is and why it's important. Because uh, sometimes I, I feel like that it might not be too far from the truth to think that the words celebration and church or faith are not necessarily synonymous. You know, we have a lot of uh, PR problems in the church. And I don't know that we're really known as a celebratory people, amen? Anybody understand that this might be true? That sometimes a church is known by anything but celebrating. We might be known about complaining or condemning or judging, but celebration plays a central role in the life of a person of faith and it's central to God's story. And I wanna kind of lay out a case for why I think that is so, all right? But before we do that, I wanna start this way. So um, celebration uh, is a part of what we're calling the spiritual disciplines. There is a discipline in the spiritual life of celebration. Now, here's what a discipline is. A discipline is an action or a behavior or a pattern that you undertake in your life so that you can experience change. And at E3, actually, I wanna tell you, that is the core, that's the heartbeat of what we do. We believe that at the ground bedrock level that what God wants for people on this planet is to change and become more loving, more kind, more compassionate, more self-giving than they were before. That's the heartbeat of what God wants for for people on earth. Now, the thing about it is, some of us, if you've been around uh, faith or or church for a while, you go, yeah, I get that. I think where things kind of break down is when we start to talk about, well, how do you think that is possible? And I know a lot of people of faith would be like, man, I am all about that change. Bring on the change. But when I would ask you, well, how do you think that's possible? It would pretty much look like this. A person of faith might tell me, well, you know, kind of if I'm honest, I kind of cross my fingers, I kind of grip my teeth, and I kind of just hope, oh, one day God's gonna change me. I'm gonna go to church. You just kind of like, oh, one day. And we sit around and we hope that one day things are gonna be different. Anybody know anybody like that? Anybody ever been like that in your life? You're just like, you know what? I hope, I wish I was different. And one day, I, I think it's gonna happen. That's not the way life works, right? So let, let's start this way. Um, if you wanted 
to make a change in your physical life, okay? Let's just say, look, you know, I like always like to say, you know, we all have six packs, but some of them are inside refrigerators. And if you got serious about like, you know what? I want to make some changes to my physical life. What might, what are some things that you might do? Diet. Diet. Look at your nutrition. Look at the stuff you eat. What else would you do? Exercise. You would exercise, okay? Uh, what else? What, seek advice from a professional. What else? Meditate, okay? All of these things. If you wanted to see a change happen in your physical life, you would change some of your patterns and your habits and your behaviors. A little more gym, a little less momos. Okay? A little more sleep. Oh, gain street pies. All right, I'm sorry. A little more sleep, a little less Netflix. You know, all of these things. If you wanted to see a change in your life, you wouldn't sit around and go, one day, man, this is the day I'm going to wake up and it's going to happen. No, you would own that. And you would start to do things differently. Now, you can't control everything about that. You can start to work out. You can start to eat differently. You cannot control your genetics. You can't control the DNA that you've been given. Some foods are not gonna work as well for some people as they will for other people. Some exercises are gonna be more damaging for some people and more healthy for other people. You can't control those things, but you can control your habits, your behaviors, your actions. Spiritual life is no different. It is no different. No matter whether you're talking physical life Intellectual life, spiritual life, transformation happens when you embrace a new and necessary pattern, actions, habits, behaviors. So over time, the church has uh, embraced and been given these patterns. And a lot of them you might be familiar with. Things like prayer, things like meditation, Things that just say, look, okay, what you do on Sundays, what we do on Sundays, worshiping together, that is a spiritual discipline. It is a pattern. It is a behavior that we would say, look, you do this thing and your life starts to get in a place where God can change it. It's not self-help. It is simply saying, I'm gonna put my life in a position where God can work. I'm not gonna sit around and just wait and cross my fingers that one day I'll be different. Prayer, worship, it's what we do on Sundays. Sharing your life with another person, with another small group of people, taking off your masks and letting other people take their masks off. That's what we do in our growth groups ministry because God uses that environment and that space to change your life. And then we also call people to serve. Why? Because let's face it, when we're talking about spiritual transformation, our ego, our self is the thing that most of the times gets in the way. And a great antidote for ego and self is service. Go out and serve somebody less fortunate than yourself. Go out and do something that's gonna make you uncomfortable. Go out and sweat a little bit. Just swing a hammer and build something. And all of a sudden your ego goes a little bit down and it provides a space for God to work. Celebration is a spiritual discipline. It is a way that you provide space in your life for God to work. Now, uh, I want to tell you a story because this is really personal to me. I uh, have had to learn celebration over time. And it actually started off, I actually lost a job at a church because I did not know how to celebrate. 
actually lost a ministry position because I didn't know how to celebrate. So uh, to take your way back, and, and uh, in 2002, it was the fall, we were pregnant with our second child. I was uh, a part of a, a new church in, in downtown Chicago, and the church was growing. But like I said, we were about to have our second child, and we didn't really have a steady paycheck from the church. I was playing music, but uh, there was just so much turmoil and upheaval. And we're about to have a second baby. And I, and I panicked. And I said, I, I think we need to get, I need to get a job. Like I need a steady paycheck. And so I put the word out and some friends of friends, they found this church in Denver, Colorado. And they said, man, Eric, you got to meet this church. and You got to meet this pastor. You guys are going to love each other. And so they connected us and we had so many things in common. And they said, well, we, wanna, we want you to fly out and, uh, and, and lead worship at our church so we can see what you look like, what you sound like. And let's just see how things work. So I showed up there, I think in November, Shana and I did. In all my, you know, angsty uh, early 2000s glory, mu musical glory, you know, with my studded leather belt, my wallet chain. It was, come on, it was the early 20th, 21st century. So, uh, so I had, you know, I mean, I was a musician. We didn't have much money. I bought secondhand clothes, right? And that was cool with me. So I had a, a, a secondhand sweater, studded belt, wallet chain, lead worship. And they were like, oh man, you, that's it. We want, we want that. And so before I left, you know, we had a job offer. And we went back and we prayed about it. And we said, okay, we're going to do it. And then they said, all right, well, let's get you here now. So we moved in December, had a baby two weeks later. And I'm just doing my thing, man. I'm just doing the thing, uh, hanging out with musicians, uh, leading music on Sunday. And everything was fine. About six weeks into it, I uh, had a meeting with the lead this lead pastor. And we've been talking and everything. And he said, how do you think things are going? And I said, well, they seem to be really going. The team's growing. Uh, Sunday's kind of weird sometimes. And he said, yeah, he said, I'd agree. And I said, oh, really? And he said, yeah, because actually he's like, I don't think you're working very well. And I was like, oh, really? And he said, yeah, he's like, um, you see our church, we like to celebrate. And we like to, this place to be a place of joy. And we actually find your, your, your worship, your music is actually a little bit dark. And it's like intense and, it's, and there's no joy in it. And I was like, huh, okay. And he said, we really, we really need you to kind of take some steps in this area. So he, literally he's like, can you smile more and play some happy songs? I was like, all right. So I did that. And uh, about four weeks later, we met again. And I said, you know, I said, well, how's it, how's it going? He said, ah, truth, truth is, it's not going so well. We don't really think you've changed at all. I said, huh, okay. And he said, uh, again, Eric, our church is a place of celebration. It's a place of joy. And nobody gets joy from what you do musically. And he said, now, if you don't make some changes in the next few weeks, like we're gonna have to take a serious look at your employment here because this is what the church needs. Like, okay, all right. So I went away and uh, I, I gave him my best shot, but it didn't work out, right? And there's a fine line. I don't know if you guys have ever been in a situation like this at a job where you don't really know if you were fired or you left. <laughs> because like on paper, I left but I only left because they made it impossible for me to stay. Anybody have a job like that? And they're like, well, you know, you're not, you're not being fired. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, I'm not being fired because you've made it impossible for me. So here's the deal. We, we turned, we were there for four or five months, brought my family back to Chicago. But years later, I actually reconciled with that pastor. And you know what? He was right. He was right. I did not know how to celebrate. 
Now, don't get me wrong. Like my MO, if I had one in worship, was I still wanted to show people this portrait of Jesus. I still wanted people to know how much Jesus loved them. But it was a little bit more on the passionate and the intense side. I didn't understand joy. I didn't understand celebration. And no, I didn't smile very much because it was heavy stuff to me. It was real. And so years later, I was like, man, that guy was right. I was missing a whole part, not just of worship, but a whole part of my life with God. And I think some of you guys might be in the same situation that I'm at. You're like, yeah, man, I love God. I'm following Jesus. But you would say, I don't know about this celebration and joy thing. I just think it's really just more about me thanking God for how awful of a person I am and how great of a God he is. I'm saying there's a whole other aspect of life with God that maybe you're worth missing out on, all right? So we're gonna take a look at three passages, um, one of them that Karen read, and then a couple other from the same little episode and time period of God's people. I wanna set the, the table for you and let you know what the context is for all of these verses. All of these verses come out of Exodus and in a book called Deuteronomy. And the context uh, in terms of history, what's going on here is that uh, God is trying to rescue and redeem and restore the world. And he's gonna do it through a people, people of God, nation of Israel. And at some point, the nation of Israel finds themselves oppressed, enslaved by Egypt, by Pharaoh. And God's like, this is the way God's gonna work through to, to restore the world. So he's like, man, I've got to get my people out of enslavement, out of oppression. And so he does it. And um, the story is, it's the central story of the Old Testament. The central story is this, God offers his people two things. I want you to remember these two things. He offers them freedom and a home. Say that with me, freedom, freedom. and a home. Those are the promises. God's like, I'm going to give you freedom. I'm going to set you free. And I'm going to bring you to a home that is safe. So uh, if you know the story, there's these plagues and, and God eventually uh, sort of gets Pharaoh to release his people and they start off running. But they get caught between the Red Sea and the army of Egypt. And they're stuck, all right? And then uh, if you remember the story, Moses you know, lifts up his hands, Red Sea parts, people of God go through. Anybody know what happens to the army of Pharaoh? They drown. The waters come back in. Armies eliminated. His people are safe. What were the two promises? Freedom and a home. So now they're free. That's the first thing. Now we're going to start in Exodus 15, just these few verses. This, ha this is happening literally right after they've crossed through the water. They've just seen God do something amazing. And this is what happens. The prophet Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand and all of the women followed her playing tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang the refrain back to them. Sing to the Lord for an overflowing victory. The horse and the rider he threw into the sea. So I wanna just kind of get real practical here. You wanna get some celebration in your life? One way to do that from a biblical point of view is start singing. Is start singing. God's people do it over and over again in the Bible. Something amazing has happened and then they just break out into song. It's like a, a musical or something. You'll get that in a second. So the thing is like we do this every Sunday. 
You know, and I don't know if, if you're aware of why we sing, but that's why. We don't sing because we just like music or we celebrate music or we celebrate creativity. We sing because we're trying to celebrate what God has done in our lives. And now I get it in a room like this. Some of you guys come in and you're like, man, I don't even, I don't know, I don't even know this God. I'm not even sure if I like it here. And if you're here, like, we get it. And you can just sit and watch things happen. But there's other of us who would say, there's others of us who would say, look, I am following God. I'm, I'm, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm on, this, I'm on this train, this movement. And I would say to you, sing with us. We don't do this so you can watch us. We do this to provide an avenue and an environment where we can sing and celebrate together. I don't know what it is about church. Maybe it's because it's early in the morning, but I, I, I want to I throw off, I want to kind of push on this one more time because it's not just about singing, it's about the attitude with which we sing. I don't know whether, what it is about God's people. I don't know what it is about church, whether it's because it's so early in the morning, but some of us sing these amazing songs that celebrate these cool things. God loves us so much. And yet I see uh, myself out there so many times and I notice Mike, Eric, like, why are you singing with this big frown on your face? Like we sing this, God loves me so much. And we're like, God loves me so much. <laughs> and so when you sing, the second challenge is it's like, sing with a smile on your face. You know, we, don't, we try not to tell the stories of like sometime and maybe God like put a thumbtack on your seat and you're like, oh God, what are you doing to me? Like we try to sing songs that are like God's done great things in your life. He loves you. These are things to have a smile on your face about. And maybe we should just bump church like two hours later so people are a little bit more awake. I don't know what it is. But I would say singing is a place to start celebrating. The church should be a place where we have stupid grins on our faces and nobody knows why. It's because we want to celebrate. And remember what God has done. So sing and celebrate. The next thing, uh, if you want to kind of get started on this celebration journey, it comes from the book of Deuteronomy. It's just a couple of books over in the Bible. Now, what's going on in Deuteronomy is this guy named Moses who has led his people out of Egypt and through the wilderness. And they're about to get the second part of God's promises. What were the promises? Freedom and a home. So they get to the borderland of the home that God has promised. Moses knows he's not going to go into the homeland. He's going to die. He is not going in. And so Deuteronomy is actually the text of a, of a sermon that he gives his people because he knows he's not going in with them. And he wants them to know what's important. So he says this in Deuteronomy chapter 14, um, he says, look, take some money. I'll unpack what this is. He says, take the money with you. Go to the location your, the Lord your God selects. Verse 26, you can use the money for anything you want. Cattle, sheep, wine, beer, whatever else you might like. Then you should, what's the text say? Feast there and what? Celebrate in the presence of the Lord your God along with your entire household. Now, real quick, uh, what this is, what's going on here is Moses is telling his people like, look, there's going to be times during the year 
where you need to go and take the stuff that you've been given by God and take it, when he says the place, the location, the Lord your God selects, he's talking about Jerusalem. So when he starts off in this thing, he says, look, take a 10th of your cattle, a 10th of your crops, all the stuff, a 10th of it, and go to Jerusalem to celebrate what God has done for you. But then actually Moses says, you know what? 10th of crops, 10th of cattle, that might be heavy for some of you guys. It may be inconvenient. So Moses then says, look, change all that into money wherever you're at. Then take the money to Jerusalem. And he said, when you get to Jerusalem, exchange it for whatever you want. Cattle, herds, wine, beer, food, and have a party with your entire household. One of the best ways that you can start celebrating is to eat meals together and tell stories. Eat meals together and tell stories. Really good meals, the best that you can provide and just get around with the people who are in your community and go, we're just gonna talk about some cool things that God has done. Um, again, in my life, uh, there was a, a decade or more that my family struggled so much financially. We struggled so much financially. Um, there were no Christmases with new toys. Christmas was always, you know, go to Goodwill, find toys for the kids, hand-me-downs, never new clothes. Uh, that was our life, you know. Uh, when we moved here, uh, this was our place of stabil stability. And we went to Financial Peace University. We got super serious about our finances. And we got our finances put together. And then for the first time soon, like we were able to buy our first home here and we were starting to save some money. And then we got it in our heads one day, this idea of celebration. And so every time we would have, like Shana or myself, we would have an anniversary or a birthday, we would call some friends together and we would say, actually, here's the deal. We wanna celebrate our anniversary, no gifts. You meet us at a restaurant, we're buying for everybody. And we would just say, we don't really need any gifts from our people. We just wanna have a meal together. The best meal we can afford with the people that matter. And we're gonna celebrate and tell stories of what God's done in our lives. Anniversary, come on. Like, let's make it about other people. And so you wanna start celebrating what God has done in your life. Man, I would ask you just like, when's the last time you intentionally went out to dinner with some people? And just said, this is because God has been so good to us. And we just want to tell stories. That is a way that we can start celebrating together. Now, uh, the third thing I want to kind of throw out to you guys actually comes from the scripture that Karen uh, read. And um, it's actually an important little distinction about celebrating so again, the story is God sets his people free. He wants to give them a home, freedom, a home. He gives them the first thing. They start off through the desert. They go to this place called Mount Sinai and, and, and God gives them uh, what we call the 10 commandments. First commandment is, uh, I'm the Lord your God. There is no other. Do not make a graven image. Don't make an idol. I don't know if you know the story or not, but just in a few chapters later, you know exactly what God's people do? Oh, uh, they make an idol. God's like, you had one job. <laughs> the very thing 
the first thing that God says, do not make an idol. And his people make an idol and they worship it. And it hurts God deeply because his people have rejected him. And so remember, he's given them freedom. He wants to give them a home. Well, this kind of becomes problematic because God's all of a sudden like, I don't even think my people like me or they want to be a part of what I want to give them. And so the first thing he does is he goes to this guy, Moses, and he says, hey, I actually want to, I want to eliminate all those people. And then he says, Moses, I still, want to, I still need a people. So he says, Moses, I'm going to get rid of all those people. I'm going to start over with you. And Moses says, no, 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 no. Don't do that, God. You promised all these people a freedom and a home. And God says, okay, changes his mind. Then something amazing happens. Because God says, essentially, well, look, but my people have told me they don't, they've rejected me. They made an idol. So check out what God tells Moses. He says in Exodus 33, he says, I tell you what, I've already given you the freedom. I'm gonna give you the home too. I'm gonna take you to the promised land. But then you know what God says? He says, but I'm not going with you. Now, first of all, think about that in terms of God's goodness. His people rejected him. And God says, you know what? I'll still give you the gifts. I'm just not gonna go with you. And so what Karen was reading was this interchange between Moses and God. And I wanna read, just highlight the verses of Moses, the way Moses replies to God. And Moses says this, look, God, if you won't go yourself, don't make us leave here because how will anyone know that we have your special approval both I and your people, unless you go with us. Only that distinguishes us, me and your people, from every other people on earth. You know what Moses says there right then? He says, God, it's not about the gifts you've given us, God. It's not about getting the freedom and the home. It's actually about your presence. God, the gifts aren't what makes us special. It's the fact that God is dwelling with us that makes us special. For three, uh, three years almost now, every day I have the discipline of gratitudes. I wake, wake up every day and I write down three things that I'm grateful for. If you wanna start celebrating, I would say, this is a great place to start. So you will start and you will wake up and you'll start with the big obvious ones, especially if God's doing cool things in your life. And you will say, you know what? I'm grateful for this great job I have. I'm grateful for this promotion I've had. I'm grateful for this new relationship I've had. I'm grateful that my crazy kids are being quiet for the first time. <laughs> you know what'll happen though as you do these gratitudes over and over again? You'll start to be grateful for smaller and smaller things. And you start to be like, you know what? Um, actually, I'm grateful just that I have a job. Or I'm actually just grateful that I'm, I'm feeling safe right now. I'm grateful that, that those crazy kids that won't be quiet, I'm actually grateful that they're here and they're mine. And then, if you do that long enough, you will start to separate the gifts from the giver. And you will say, God, it's not your gifts that I'm grateful for. It's your presence that I'm grateful for. 
It's your presence that I'm grateful for. And I want to be really, really clear here because the number's coming. The figure's coming. I promise, just another couple minutes. But I want you, I want you to hear something very, very clearly. Whatever this figure ends up being, that is not the thing that makes us special. The thing that God has promised us, the gift that we feel he wants to give us, the new parking lot, the better kids space, the better lobby, that is not what makes us special. It's God's presence in this community that makes us special. So if this number is bigger than you thought it would be, that's not what makes us special. If this number is smaller than you thought it would be, that's not what makes us special. And let me say it in another way. I don't want to be the pastor of building programs. I don't care if our church has the biggest or smallest facility or the nicest kid space. That's not what I've signed on to do. I signed on to follow God's mission in this world. So I don't want ever to have a big building with no God in it. Find another pastor to do that. But I will follow God on this journey because his presence with us is what makes us unique. So, with all of that in mind, with the fact that this is Celebration Sunday and we are a celebrating people, I'm about to share with you where we've been and what we've done. And um, I'm still struggling to celebrate, so I'm not like a cheerleader. So you got, might want to help me out here a little bit. If you're feeling good about this, I'll follow your lead. So last week was uh, Commitment Sunday. Our community at that time committed over a three-year period to raise $520,608. Also, uh, last week, as people put their pledge cards in, our community and those of us who could make lead gifts committed together to give at the front end of this campaign cash upfront gifts of $157,184. And this is an addition problem, which means that altogether, between lead gifts and a three-year pledge, this community stepped up and and gave $677,792. Yeah, and that is a gift. And God is with us. And this is why we celebrate. So uh, I wanna ask you guys to go ahead and stand up with us. This is the time, again, if you've been traveling, if God hasn't spoken to you yet, there's pledge cards around and we just invite you, again, no compulsion, no manipulation. But if there's still something in your heart, you can walk up here during this time of response drop something in this chest. If you have a lead gift, you can bring that as well. But listen, it is never about the gift. It is about the God who has given it. And we will be that type of people on that journey forever. So I'm gonna pray. 
and then uh, the band's going to play and we're just going to rejoice and thank God for his faithfulness to us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.